Thursday Finance on your radio with Stephen Pritchard. And Stephen, as always, we need to start by checking out how the currencies and commodities have been over the last couple of days. Well, there's lots of black ink here today, which is good. Oh, that's good. Last week. Be- beats red. Beats red, except for the petrol price, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that's not going to happen. Um, it did, actually. Um, the gold price the gold price was up uh, $3.87 an ounce to $1,850.12 over the week. Uh, the copper price was um, up two hundred and sixty-eight dollars and fifty-four cents a ton to eight thousand eight hundred fifty-three and ninety-seven cents, and the tin price was up thirty-four dollars and ninety a ton to twenty-nine thousand five hundred eighty-nine dollars and five cents a ton, and of course the crude oil price was up four dollars sixty-eight to ninety-two dollars and seventy-one cents a barrel. So, and then the currencies. Um, you know, the Australian dollar Australian dollar raised 0.6 cents on the week to 71.64 US cents. Um, the, against the Great British Pound, we fell about half a pence. Half a pence? Is that half a, half a pence? Is that I don't know. 50p? No, no half no, a p or something. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. To 54.91 54. pence. Um, against New Zealand dollar, we were up about half a cent to a dollar and four point four five and against the euro we were up marginally to sixty three point one nine euro cents. So we don't have any trouble with the Euro cent, do we? No. Not not bad if you're going on holidays. No, not a bad no, it's about the same really, you know. Um not much movement. Um if you can afford to go overseas. <laughs> I went to Stockton. That's a overseas for me. It's an old joke, isn't it? <laughs> it yeah. is. Although it's probably quite expensive to go across on the ferry now, isn't it? Um, we'll check that out. It's probably had a price rise. Yeah. Get the light rail in and get the ferry. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, when I was about six or seven, I used to go over. My grandmother used to take me over the ferry. <laughs> Is that right? And they let yeah. you back. Yeah, yeah, you used to go over and come back. <laughs> anyhow, that was a long time ago. Anyhow, um, the ordinaries, um, so we're all feeling a bit wealthier for investing in the share market, up, up 36.2 points on the week to 6,175. So we're just hovering around that 6,000 mark. Um, the S&P 500, we're up by 39 points to 2,784. Uh, UK FTSE, we're up 31.6 to 7,228. And the the Hang Seng Index, which is Hong Kong, uh, was up 82 points to 28,514. So equity investors are doing well around the world. Um, a few stocks that uh, locals seem to like, uh, have some interest in. Um, uh, BHP was up $1.27, which is $37.94. Uh, CBA was up $1.07 to $71.66. Um, NIB was down marginally, despite a good result coming out. Um, it was down $0.13 cents to $5.57. And Telstra continues to creep up, um, so it was up another $0.06 cents on the week to $3.20. Uh, $3. And the fuel price. Well, the local fuel price was the unleaded fuel price in Newcastle was down two and a half cents to a dollar twenty-eight a litre. Well, it's going in the right direction for a change. For a change, is there any holidays coming up soon? Easter's the first one next. That's not until April this year. Pushed back a bit. So two dollars ten. It was down in Sydney to a dollar twenty point eight a litre. So there's eight cents a litre difference between Sydney and Newcastle. Uh, The diesel price in Newcastle was a dollar forty four point eight, and in Sydney a dollar forty. So not much change there. No, not much change. It it is good to see it going down just a little bit. But um, yeah, I I actually never really looked too much at petrol prices. I'm embarrassed. Embarrassed to say. Uh, well, because it really is. It really is. You know, say your average car, 
your average car probably takes 50 litres. I think mine takes 50 litres. And if you save two cents a litre, you know, you're saving a dollar. And if you're going to go drive around like a lot of people yeah. do, uh, I'm sure it doesn't take much to use up the dollar saving. No, but t- and then when you think, well, hang on, if I fill my car up once a fortnight, it's you know, it's not really a great deal, is it? If they're side by side, I'll go to the cheapest. But that's true. I but- usually go to the one closest closest to home when the little light comes on. <laughs> Some, you're either one of those people, aren't you? You either wait till the light comes on or you have to fill it up when it's like $3 down. No, no, I usually try and get it filled when it's a quarter empty. Well, when it's three quarters empty, yeah, you just try and keep it above a quarter, but sometimes I forget. But I still kind of go to the local, either the local Caltex and the Shell, I think. Stephen, we've got a call on the line straight away, so I'm going to throw this at you. Good morning, Glenn. Uh, you've got a question on fixed term deposits that you have with uh, Westpac. Hi, Glenn. Yes. Hi, Stephen. How are you going? Good. I just had a. I heard on the radio today they were having a class action against Westpac for um, oh, giving out loans that people can't pay off. But does that have any effect on people that would have things in Westpac itself, like a term deposit, for example? Um, I mean, I haven't heard the story. Um, you know, I'd be surprised if the banks are giving out loans that they people can't pay back i mean the last time i saw saw some stats there was something like five million home loans in australia and only forty nine thousand of those were in arrears so um, you know the the fraction of arrears loans is um is minuscule um but anyhow uh so if you've got a term deposit at westpac um and it's um, less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the Commonwealth Government guarantee would apply. So, so if it's less than okay. two hundred, you've got absolutely no chance of losing it unless the Commonwealth decides not to honour their guarantee. Um, but you know, I, I would have thought that if something happens to Westpac and 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 you can't get your term deposit money back, the country's going to be in all sorts of problems. So I don't see that happening. Sure. If you had more than two fifty, would it be wise to spread it around the big four banks to get that guarantee? Well, I mean, for for someone who's super conscious, um, it's two fifty thousand per person. So if you've got a wife, the wife can put in two hundred and fifty thousand. You can put in two hundred and fifty thousand, and the guarantee will apply. Right. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, not, so not each institution; it's each person. Each each legal account. So, if you can put in two fifty, the guarantee will apply to you. And if you've got a wife, two fifty, the guarantee will apply. And if you've got some children, the guarantee applies to them. Sure. And then you can go across to another financial institution, and you and your wife can put two hundred and fifty in that. Oh, I see. Okay, each. Oh, I see. Yeah, so we, we've yeah. got a we've got a fair bit of money. We're getting up to here quickly. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you can go to the, the the you know the the local credit union or the building society. All those licensed ADIs, the two hundred fifty thousand deposit cap applies, uh, guarantee. But it's per individual, per institution. Oh, right. Per okay, so if you put yeah, yeah, so if you put half a million in Westpac in your own yeah. name, there's only the two fifty applies. Sure. Right. But if it's in your oh, okay. if you've got two accounts, one for your wife and one for yourself, you get the two fifty twice. Sure. Okay. okay. Yeah. Thanks very much for that. Very yep. helpful. Okay. Two NURFM one hundred three point seven. It is Thursday Finance. Stephen Pritchard is over here, and uh, good afternoon, Bob. You've got a question on superannuation. Uh, more specifically, you'd like to find out a little bit about BT Financial. Good afternoon. Hello. How are you going? Hi, Bob. 
Yeah, just thinking of uh, maybe moving my super around, and I've heard of BT uh, as a superannuation fund, but I, I don't know whether they're attached to Westpac, or I don't know much about them, do you? Yeah, BT is a wholly owned subsidiary of Westpac, um, and I'm sure, I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot about their individual funds, but I'd be pretty sure they'd run a... They'd run a superannuation fund in there um, somewhere. But before you start, you know, moving your superannuation funds around, the first thing you need to look at is um, your insurance coverage because a lot of your super funds have insurance coverage. So you need, right. to, take, you need to take into account um, whether your existing fund's got insurance and your, and your new fund's got insurance and you need to make sure the new fund's on risk before you close the old one because you don't want the old fund to cancel your insurance and something happens and the new fund hasn't picked up the risk so that's very important and the other thing yeah. is the other thing is you need to do a bit of work on the asset allocation of the superannuation fund and don't just don't just take the word by the name i mean one of the major funds one of the major funds is quoting the returns on their balance fund and the balance fund their balance fund's got 80% growth assets and 20% defensive assets and if you compare that to a normal or traditional balance fund which would have 50% growth assets and 50% defensive assets their balance funds outperforming everyone but you're taking more risk so what you need yeah. to do is you need to look at the actual underlying asset allocation between the two funds you're looking at make sure you're comparing apples with apples and not apples with oranges, and don't just go on the on the return. You need to consider your asset allocation first, and then, of course, the insurance issue is extremely important. Yeah, so they're a fairly substantial size business, though. I said I've not That's heard a, of them, but it's a subsidiary of Westpac. Yeah, so it's yeah, by Westpac. Yeah, so it's fairly stable and safe in well, that environment. Well, I mean, all, all those public office super funds are regulated by the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority. So I, I don't know whether um, there's really such a consideration as as to whether it's stable or safe. I mean, you've seen AMP. I mean, that's... Was, yeah. Yeah. So you need to, you know... I, I, if you found a smaller fund that was regulated by, by APRA... Um, and you like that, and it suited you what you wanted. I, w- I wouldn't, wouldn't, um, not consider yeah. it just because it was small. Okay, okay, okay. Well, that's all right. I just, I just hadn't heard of them. So, yeah, thanks for that. You've explained what they're part of. So, okay, thanks. thank you. Thanks, Bob. Stephen, milk and supermarkets have been in the news uh, as of late, and that's where we're <laughs> going to start with profits rising and falling for. Coles and Woolworths. Yeah, so interesting, um, interesting results. Woolworths profit profit came out and increased to nine hundred and seventy nine million for the half year, which was up, which was up about twenty million dollars. So not really a big increase. Um, and they've increased their interim dividend to forty five cents for the half year. So so Woolworths has made a remarkable turnaround. Um, and um, Coles isn't so good. Coles's half year profit fell by twenty nine percent to three hundred eighty one. For the half compared to five hundred and forty million for the previous year, so it's almost identical movement one way versus yeah, the other. Yeah, so so you know, of course, it's interesting this because I've been saying for a long time if you put the coals and wool side by side, I mean, you have a look at market town, 
And, you know, the stores are completely different. I mean, you go into Coles, it looks like it's something that's been there for no money's beat. You know, you know you've, yeah. you've been in there, you know. And you can, it's easy to understand why Coles sales are going up and up and up and Coles is drifting, you know I mean? So you would, obviously spent no money on their stores for years. So you would suspect that that may be one of the driving factors of why you, know, you go into, in, in your estimations, you're heading to a Woolworths store and it looks fresher. Not to use their line, but well, well but yeah. you just go yeah. where they're side by side. Yeah, yeah, you go to the two stores where they're side. And also said they're going to continue expending money on their IT and 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 um, IT upgrades. And and I must admit, the worst um, self serve thing when you're forced to use it is actually easier to use than the Coles one. Um, and uh, Coles says they're going to spend some money on doing up their stores, but but you know, um, it's interesting that. You know, the two supermarket chains are going in completely different directions. And uh, moving on to milk now, the A2 milk shares uh, on strong Chinese demand, they've got a bit of a profit increase as well. Yeah, well, their profit went up dramatically. It went it went from uh, 98.5 million in the last half year to 152.7 million in the, in the current um, financial year. So A2 milk... Um, a2 Milk is experiencing large demand for their their milk in Australia, which is um, which has got all got to do with this protein that exists in their special type of milk, which might not exist in other types of milk. And there's this theory about that. And of course, now the Chinese are buying large quantities of it as well. I'm just surprised that they can. Um, what surprises me is that they can kind of breed up these cows so quickly to supply this special special type of milk and, and uh, you know speaking of milk that Carl Woolworths is going to give 10 cents a litre of the, the house brand milk back to the farmers and I'm not quite sure how they're going to do that logistically but anyhow. With, with the A2 though it has been a very good um, I suppose a, a marketing push over the last five oh, years. Oh yeah it's all come out in New Zealand the A2 company was based in New Zealand and, and the theory is that there's uh, sometime back in the mists of time, there was a genetic <laughs> mutation in the cows, and the the original ones had this A2 protein, and the, the the major dairy herds now have some other kind of protein, and the A2 protein is supposed to be easier to absorb and do all sorts of wonderful things. Mm, well, to it's you. doing all here. But they're very good marketing, and they're very good selling it to the Chinese. Uh, yeah, um, maybe they can use. It still tastes the same. Can, can head over there with some of the baby formula, but, but, perhaps. But they're getting a big premium on it. Oh, well, that's yeah, yeah. increased by half. And uh, just on food at the moment, also Domino's. <coughs> Domino's, pizza. Domino's is uh, seems to be coming down from their, uh, um, you know, previous highs. Once again, they failed to meet their guidance. Um, the half year profit was fifty eight point seven million. Oh, sorry, the half year profit was fifty three point three million compared to. Um, 58.7. So, you know, it's down about 10%. They've cut their dividend. I think Domino's, Domino's pizzas came in. There was a big increase in demand with Domino's pizzas from what I can see when they brought out that app. And, you know, all the kids like my son used to ring up the Domino's pizzas so they could see the, the little man on the app coming and, you know, bringing the pizza. Another great home. piece of marketing. Yeah, mm. but at the end of the day, they were trying to market themselves as a tech stock. Uh, it's still a pizza other people have now got that technology, and um, they have also though they've done all, they've sort of had a big menu push as well. I mean, it's not just pizza anymore. It's you know they're doing the shakes and mm-hmm. all the other desserts and other foods. It's becoming more probably. becoming more competitive, and a lot of the franchisees and I think there's a number of franchisees have got Domino's in court saying that they, 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 you know they've cut the menu prices so much that the franchisees aren't making any money and. 
But, you know, franchise businesses, I always worry about them. I mean, you know, I don't see how most of them, the franchisees, actually make any money. I guess we, we hear a lot about the uh, the dollar milk, but if you're selling a pizza yeah, uh, for, well, for five bucks. So, five bucks. Uh, and I know this, we all want to, we all want to pay uh, five bucks, but uh, how can you make a quid on that? I don't know. And deliver it. Well, <laughs> and deliver it as well. Yeah. To NURFM 103.7, it is Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard and Mandy Barton from Sandlink making her way in at the moment too to talk all things mobility allowance. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi Mandy, first Hello. time back for the new year? Yes, yes. Yes, yes. So today we're going to talk about the mobility allowance, which uh, is all news to me until we spoke about it earlier in the week. I didn't even know there was such a thing. So can you... Perhaps tell us what it is. Yeah, so mobility allowance is a payment for anyone over the age of 16 who can't use public transport without a lot of help. So the person has to have a disability, illness or injury and they need to travel for work, including voluntary work, uh, study, training or travel to look for work. Oh, okay. So it's not for for every type of travel. It's just for specific travel that you need to fit into. Yeah, yeah. So they have to meet one of those rules of, of travelling for work or study um, to be able to apply for the payment. Okay. So so um, what type of people... So that we meet this travelling test. Mm-hmm. So what type of people then become eligible for it? Do they have to receive some other government benefit or? No, not at all. You don't have to be receiving any payment from Centrelink to apply for mobility allowance. Um, There are people who are excluded from being eligible. So as I Mm -hmm. said earlier, you have to be over 16 to start with. Um, Some people who are receiving assistance through the NDIS with travel, etc., may not be eligible uh, for mobility allowance. And people who've received a car from Department of Veterans Affairs under either the Vehicle Assistance Scheme or the Motor Vehicle Compensation Scheme, they're not eligible for mobility allowance either. Right, so they can't double count effectively. Effectively, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that everyone else is, is, is eligible for that? Potentially, over 16. 16. Yeah. yeah. And so, so what what type of um, mobility issue do you actually have to have? So it doesn't have to necessarily be physical. It's mm-hmm. the illness or injury, uh, medical condition can be it can be physical, it can be intellectual. So you know they look at all different types of disabilities, engage the person's ability to use public transport uh, based on their you know physical condition, their um, intellectual capacity, etc. Okay, so then. Um, you said for volunteer work. So, for example, in, in Beaumont Street, there's the uh, Hunter Animal Rescue thing down there that mm-hmm. does volunteer work and sells. They've got a shop there that they raise money for, for animals. Mm-hmm. So is the um, volunteer work, is there a definition of what volunteer work is? or Volunteer work under our rules generally has to be for a not-for-profit organisation uh, that carries volunteers insurance. So ah, okay, okay. An so. agency like that would certainly meet that. Right. And then so someone who's doing volunteer work could get the mobility allowance to... Potentially, if they meet the travel test and, uh, yeah, the medical conditions, etc., um, they could potentially get that mobility allowance, an additional payment. Um, you know, if they're getting an age pension or a disability pension, this is just a little extra money that can help. Okay. And so is it is it means tested? 
No, it's not. So mobility allowance has no income or asset test applied to it. So it actually means people who are employed full time can potentially receive this payment. If Provi they've got, provided they've got some disability that some fits mobility in, issues that fits in with the rules. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so what what is the kind of process um, you have to go through? For Yep. So to claim um, mobility allowance, they can do that online through their MyGov account. Um, there is a medical report that they'll need to download to see if they meet the medical side of things. So the doctor is required to complete that. Mm -hmm. And the types of questions it asks around a person's ability to use public transport um, range in things like the person's ability to negotiate steps, so potentially in and out of a bus, for example, um, crossing streets, sitting or standing on public transport, so buses and trains and so on. And trams now. Absolutely, trams in Newcastle. Um, and there's also questions around other abilities um, like handling money, uh, relating mm -hmm. to people, so you know, being able to talk to bus drivers and members of the public, recognition of landmarks. So for some people with an intellectual disability, it might be difficult to know where to get off at the bus. Um, so right. all those sorts of things are factored in. So the GP just needs to, family doctor just needs to fill this in for you? Yeah, it's just a medical report that asks a, you know, a range of questions about that person's capacity to use public transport. Okay, and then just back on the question about my gov account, I, in my experience, a lot of these older people who are the volunteers uh, don't have my gov accounts or can't even use the um, internet. Internet. Mm. So what happens with those people? Well, they can um, come into any Centrelink office, and we have dedicated staff in the front of house who can assist them with mm -hmm. self service options um, if they're looking to apply for a mobility allowance. And, of course, one of the most important things is um, how much is the mobility allowance? Okay, so there's actually two levels of payment for mobility allowance. Um, the... The first level of payment is $97.90 per fortnight. And to be eligible for that, those approved activities, so that, you know, looking for work or doing work, voluntary work, et cetera, um, a person must be a participating in that approved activity for at least 32 hours in every four-week period. So basically about eight hours a week. Eight hours a week. Yep. They need to be participating in their activity, meet the medical test and the travel test, um, and they could potentially receive $97.90 a fortnight. So if they man the shop for a day a week, Yep, eight hours a week, 32 hours of, uh, over four mm -hmm. weeks, then mm -hmm. that's um, potentially eligible. Yep. Uh, for some customers, they can actually qualify for a higher rate, um, which is actually $136.90 a fortnight. Um, and there's different rules that relate to that. So, you know, you might have to be uh, someone who's on a disability pension and participating for at least 15 hours a week um, and has an employment plan with a disability service provider, etc. So, so that's more complex to apply for. Yeah, there's a, little, a few more little rules rules on that. Um, if a person makes application for mobility allowance, we'll certainly look at which rate of payment they're entitled to based on what they're actually doing um, as to whether they get the $97.90 or the $136.90. Or so the majority of the volunteers on that basis will fall in the $97.91. Yeah, yeah, especially our age pensioners, for example. Yep. The age pensioners don't have the option of getting the higher rate. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so for, for the age pensioners, it would be the $97.90 if they've got those um, issues and are participating in an approved activity. And uh, so we can get an advance on this, can we? We can, yes. If a person's actually eligible for mobility allowance, they can choose to have six months of their payment each year paid as a lump sum. Right. So that's so a nice what, little... 
what then happens if they don't work the time? Does it have to be repaid? Well, potentially. <laughs> yeah, there's complications there, I guess. But, um, you know, for someone who's embedded in a role and they're quite yep. happy working away um, or, or studying, etc., um, then, yeah, potentially it's a nice little bonus to be able to receive six months at once rather than having to wait um, fortnight to fortnight to receive your payment. Okay, so the money is basically paid for to subsidise, I suppose, taxi fares. Well, it's, it's, it's just in recognition that there's difficulty with travelling, so therefore it may cost a little bit more to travel and it may be their own transport they're using. You oh, know, okay. So they may be driven to and from um, the work or the voluntary work and obviously there's petrol costs and uh, mm-hmm. depreciation on cars and things. So there's no actual requirement that the person must have to use public transport um, okay. to get to and from their activity because a, a lot of these customers are actually unable to do that. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, mobility tax, of course, is a, is a mobility allowance taxable? No, it's not. So it's actually a non-taxable payment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those people who are working full-time, um, then they can receive this payment. There's not going to be a payment summary. It, it's a non-taxable payment, so it's not going to have any inca- in, impact on their tax returns. And so it doesn't have any impact on any other uh, Centrelink benefits either? No, okay. no. I mean, there's that correlation between the NDIS, which obviously yep. is not a Centrelink payment. Yep. Um, so there are issues with that. So certainly people who are on an NDIS package need to investigate whether this is possible. Yep. Um, but yeah, as far as Centrelink payments go, no. If you're getting a disability support pension, then the mobility allowance is an additional payment you can receive um, on top of your pension. It's not going to cut your pension. Right. So if you assume you get the mobility allowance and nothing else, does that entitle you to a healthcare card or anything as well? It does, yeah. So if, if you're eligible for that mobility allowance and you're not getting a primary payment, so you're not a pension for example, um, you do get a, a health card. So any um, medications that you need that are on the pharmaceutical benefit scheme um, will be available to you at a much more um, a much cheaper price. So they dropped to the was it six dollars something $6 now, instead of the thirty two. Yeah, yeah. should have been on that, Mandy. Come I know, on. I know. No, it's your job. We, we know the approximate. <laughs> so it drops from approximately thirty two to six. Yeah, six. Yeah, so it's 20, a big saving. Fifty something yeah, so like it's that. It's a big saving. It is a big saving. We just, we just need to say it's a big saving. It is. Yeah, so, so if anyone. I was getting questions from Andy. Um, we might. Uh... Oh, we've got about two minutes to go. We'll see what happens. Stephen, uh, thanks, Mandy, by the That's way, okay. for coming in. No worries. Great uh, look at the mobility allowance. Stephen, we have got a couple of minutes, so we might just have a look at a couple of the other stories that have uh, been coming through at the moment with uh, profits and losses. Reject Shop, they've had a bit of a loss too. Yeah, yeah well, you don't have a loss, but their half year profits dropped from uh, uh, $17.7 million to uh, $10.6 million. Um, retail Retail's very tough at the moment, as we have spoken about before. It's a bit surprising that... that, um, that reject shops profits dropped as much because I would have thought when retail conditions are tough people would be in the You would think so, wouldn't you? Buying at the cheaper yeah, the shores. Cheaper shops. But but pierce them. And so anyway, as a, as a result of that, they've slashed their interim dividend by about thirty percent from uh, ten cents to seven point seven. Which uh yeah, it's a fearful. A little bit of a drop. And uh, looking at uh, uh, media, what about the Seven Group? Uh, the Seven Group. Um, the Seven Group owns uh, part of Channel Seven. It owns um, Coates Hire and the Caterpillar Distributor. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you're in so, everything, so aren't they? Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a confusion mm-hmm. there. There's two Sevens. Mm-hmm. There's a Seven Group, which is basically the um, Kerry Stakes's uh, investment company, and then there's Seven West Media, and the Seven West Media is the Channel 7 and um, the Western Australian newspaper. And 7 Group owns, uh, I think, 40 or 50% of 7 West Media. So 7 West, 7 West Media's profit
profits were down. Seven groups' profits were down. Um, they're still forecasting a good outlook. Um, so they've held their dividends steady at 21 cents a share. Um, but the profit did fall from 168 million to 61 million. So it's still a big drop. Now, uh, Blackmores have had uh, a bit of a shake-up oh, there yeah, with things slowing down in China. Yeah, so Blackmores, I mean, and, you know, um, 12 months ago, the Blackmore share price was $200. Um, it's now less than $100. Um, 12 months ago, they had Chinese lining up at the factory gates to buy Blackmores pills and potions, and Blackmores admit they never saw this coming, and they never, saw, and then they just disappeared. So um, as a result of that, Blackmores Blackmores sales, but it was still a good result. It was thirty four point three million compared to thirty four point two, but it's not got the growth that everyone was expecting when the Chinese were literally lining up at the factory drawers. So, so, so you mentioned they didn't see it coming. I guess that is the drop-off well, of the people. Well, no, they didn't see the, the, the both, both ways. Both ways. Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden there was these people literally lined up and the factory had to work 24 hours a day to keep up with... <laughs> for a while anyway. Uh, yeah, for a while and then it's all disappeared. So maybe they didn't continue the marketing in the right way? Um, uh, I think there's more competitors now. Backmore's, yeah. still, Backmore's still the premium... Um, it's still regarded as the premium vitamins mm. and alternative... Uh, you know, what we call it alternative complementary medicine or something. That's the word complementary Yeah, so medicine. that's still the premium product. Um, um, but, you know, that's yeah. still a good result. It's still making a lot more money than it did a couple of years ago. So. And it's, Stephen, to finish off with, it's more than you or I made combined. 34 probably. million, yeah. We didn't get that close. <laughs> Not quite. We might, we might next year. Mate, thanks, Stephen, for coming in. We'll talk to you next week for okay. another Thursday thanks, Finance. Mate. And also Mandy Barton, who's still hanging around as well. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.